Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassenaar, a.k.a. the Red Shirt King, and welcome to another very exciting edition of the Guess the Lines podcast. It is day four of the Unicoin Challenge. Day three of Worlds is in the books, and what a day it was. I, I think some highs and some very low lows, but I am joined here to break it all down with my good friend, Walter Fetchuk. Walter, how are you doing, man? I just realized that we went longer than 35 seconds before, like, Skype hasn't crashed, and it's been six minutes. <laughs> Yay! Yes! For, for the record, uh, for the people at home, if you'll remember yesterday, I mentioned at the end of the podcast that the reason it sounded a little weird is because we had, had some technical difficulties. The, the fix for that, when I finally got a hold of Skype support after about an hour and a half of waiting for their text, uh, text support, was to go back to a version from over a year ago, because that was the last <laughs> time it was stable. So... I would like to thank the person who helped me. He was great. Uh, I would like to shove a giant uh, you're a butthead sign, I guess, because that's as much as we can say on this pod, towards uh, towards Skype itself. I, I cannot – I'm looking forward so much. If anyone has any great voice recording software so Walter and I could do this without having to use Skype, I will it, – it cannot come too soon. But uh, from there, we're going to move to a game that's just as advanced, I would say, as Skype nowadays. H2K versus the Bangkok Titans. We start here because obviously Group C is wrapped up, and we gotta we want to get this one out of the way first for obvious reasons. Walter, I, I don't know if you shared this with me, but I was rooting for this game to end more than I was rooting for any particular team or player. <laughs> what were your feelings just watching this? This uh, this H2K very slow eventual beatdown of um I've seen people play Mordekaiser in like solo queue and I watch pros play it um that is literally the weirdest single Mordekaiser build I have ever seen. You know what it is? I'm very confused by how like why he built that way. It's a mashup of everything that's been popular on Championify over the last three patches. Because I, I use the that Triforce. I, well, that's what everyone has agreed to do in the pro scene because it makes the most sense. But in solo queue, the reason you build those ways is because you just get the AP damage and you get such incredible wave clear on that W back in the day. Okay. That, that was just you would just push so hard and the enemy team couldn't do anything. But on like, 518, you have the nerf to the... It's basically... I, I think they just said, oh, well, everyone's going to ban Mordekaiser, so we don't need to practice it. And they kind of forgot how hard that W nerf on 518 are you, was. Are you telling me that Yarden had a mobifier guide up while he was playing on stage? Is like that what you're telling me? That's my best guess. I mean, the, that build is so outdated that I, I, I mean, can't... Like, in 5.16, I would have gotten it. I went Rylai's first on 5.16, but I haven't done that in an overall I, I would moment. go Triforce into Rylai's. Like, I, I liked I liked the Rylai's. Like, the Rylai's second is... Or the Rylai's, yeah, he rushed the Rylai's. That was weird. Mm-hmm. And, like, the cooldown boots, I'm totally okay with. But, like, a Leandre's? And, uh... And, the like, Abyssal? Like, the Abyssal, I can kind of understand, is, like, a third or a fourth item. But, like, Leandre's and... and it, it just made no sense. No, none it, of it made sense. It just it, didn't make any sense. You know what made less sense? How ineffective the ghost dragon was. It's a ghost dragon. How do you screw that up? Well, here, here's the thing. Um, Nar and Vayne, with their percentage health, 
W's just like shredded through it. Like they would just like it seemed like every auto every other auto attack was either Vayne or Nar proccing their their third proc, and it just like it just it did it got shredded. It got destroyed. I mean, it, it did not get any damage until maybe that very last one. But it's it's something where well, you kind of knew that when you were going to pick Mordekaiser, like these were the counters that were going to come in. You've got to have a plan for it, and they just didn't. And maybe, you know, it's the Bangkok Titans, you can make the argument that they don't need to, but I gotta be honest, I didn't watch that game and say, oh yeah, H2K, clearly that much better than the Bangkok Titans. Like, I threw five uh, unicorns on it, just because I thought, well, the odds are amazing, and on the off chance that H2K blows this, you know, I'm not gonna feel that stupid, you know, that, that'll be pretty great. And I still don't feel stupid for that bet. Like, I feel like there is a, there is a world out there in which the Bangkok Titans win that game. And that says a lot more about H2K, I think, than it does about the Bangkok Titans. I, I, I honestly think H2K was just sandbagging. Like, I love this new term of, of how, of, like, that we're using is sandbagging. Yeah. I don't actually know what it's meaning, but I think it kind of means like semi-trolling. It comes from China talk, and it's one yeah. of those things where it's been taken out of context. The thing about China is that the LPL season is so long and individual games matter so little that it is in their best interest to try weird things during the regular season against opponents that you don't think are able to punish those so much that you won't get any decent evidence out of it and just see what you can innovate. They're, they're innovators. That's what these... Okay, so that's, that's, what they're, that's what they're using. Okay, yeah, the so, idea is that they're not picking something optimal because there's a benefit to them. The benefit is greater to lose but have gained a lot of interesting information about how they can use these champions and what combinations work and what don't compared to going all out and just try-harding every game with what you know is going to win because that doesn't get you any new information going forward. Okay, fair enough. So, so this, was just, this was just H2K going, wait, someone... Okay, let's just play Mordekaiser. Like, I'm so glad we finally got to see Mordekaiser so everyone can realize that, like, eh. Yeah, it, it, it did eh. not scare me. I mean, it had a great quadra kill at the end, which I think made a lot of people happy, but it, it didn't have that kind of overwhelming effect on the game. And I think and, the and then, 518 patch did a really good job of that. I don't understand why, you know, teams are so afraid of it. I, I think well, that's then, something going to change. And then LGD and KT, the next game, just ignored it. Yeah. And they didn't pick or ban it. Like, thank you. Like, I don't think there's a reason. I, I, I put out a tweet yesterday morning after I was in the shower because I had thought about something that uh, my friend uh, David Frank Smuggling Rum brings up about, has brought up about Dota before. And before Dota tournaments, like major, major tournaments, like the international and whatnot, they'll have a meeting with all the team captains. And if, if, if it's, it's like some crazy percentage, like if 80% or maybe it has to be a unanimous vote of the team captain say that something is broken, mm-hmm. the tournament organizer will then ban that character for the, for the entirety of the tournament. Mm-hmm. I think if you had gotten all 16 captains and, and owner and, and not owners and coaches and sat them all down and said, if there is one champion that we could just permanently ban for this tournament because it's so broken and so stupid, what would it be? I think you know, 99% of the people would say Mordekaiser. Like, can we just keep... Because he's the only champion that's like that, where it's this melee, you know, melee bot lane carry. Like, I don't think any team actually wants to play it, and I think they're only banning it just because they're afraid of the cheese. 
if they don't want to go up against it is really what it comes down to because the ghost dragon is a great siege tool when it's just properly. it's cheesy and it's uh and you know that w's even though it's not as powerful as it used to be it's still a great wave clear the yeah. mordekaiser still has you know the shield on the passive makes it very difficult to deal with i i, I think it's very kiteable i think it's more it's more easily managed than people give it credit for yeah but at the same you know it, i think it's less that it's broken and more that it brings about this gimmick that changes the way you have to play it's the same reason you ban twist you've seen a lot of twisted fate bans twisted yeah. fate is not broken by any means but it changes the way you have to calculate everything you do on the map because at any time twisted fate could come in and gank you and you have to play constantly aware of that looming threat and sure. that you know those kinds of champions when you're at worlds and every game matters so much yeah no 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 you don't want that variable in play sure you can probably beat it but what, what if it goes wrong? What if you're, you know, you're the game that lets the Twisted Fate through and they land every gold card and all these ganks are coming through and it snowballs out of control? That, I mean, it, it just changes your ability to come back and forces you into a very particular play style, which I think a lot of teams try to avoid. And I get that. I get, uh, I get where teams are coming from on that. Um, on the other hand, I, I want to move on to EDG versus SKT because... This was, I think, the perfect example of saving a pocket pick to beat a champion that would also be in that potentially like, oh, it's so powerful, we would have said before the tournament. I I mean, that Renekton was just brutal, right? I mean, do you attribute that to Marin or do you attribute that to the matchup or or in what combination, I guess? Uh, I think it's I think it's Marin and and the matchup. I think I'm. I'm honestly surprised that this is the first Renekton that we've seen. Um, just because I think Renekton does so... like Renekton does not do well in the lane swaps. Like, getting 2v1. It, he does not do very well, so I think that's why he's been out of the meta for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that teams aren't lane swapping as much, or they're... They're very quickly realizing we don't want to be in lane swap, so a lot of teams are just, you know, fast pushing that bottom tower and trying to get back into the 2v2. Um, I think he could be a very strong pick because he does so well against other melee, you know, bruisers or warriors. Like, he just, he has so much sustain. He has a really, really, like, smart, in-your-face, intuitive kit that just kind of, he's a better, like, he's a better Darius. If I'm looking at it, his Q is AOE and he gets it twice. Uh, you have the stun instead of like the cripple, like the slow. And then instead of a pull, you have a dash and yeah, sure. You don't have the execute, but you just have an alt that deals AOE and makes you like tankier. So, well, I just, it makes him more powerful in lane. And that's something that we're learning more and more when it comes to Darius. It is so easy to fall behind. But he does the same thing Darius does in team fights. It's literally a, I'm just going to stand in between you and my backline. Come at me. And the only, the only advantage Darius has at that point is he has the execute. And I don't think that the execute is, I haven't seen the execute, like, snowball a team fight for a team like a five-on-five team fight i haven't seen a darius just go like absolutely monster because he executed someone like yeah the execute is nice but a lot of you know a lot of champions can get that last kill i'd say you're i'd say you're potentially underestimating the utility on that pull i mean we've seen Mm -hmm. so many kills of people being pulled back over the wall or you know, pulling them as they're as they're getting ready to escape, and then forcing the execute that way. Oh, like absolutely. It's, it's there are there's definitely a lot as far as initiation there that Renekton doesn't have. But it is 
it is one of those things where in this matchup in particular, I mean, it, it puts you in such a great place to just bully and keep that Darius down. And a Darius that, you know, can't get that black cleaver at a reasonable time isn't really worth much. He needs to get to that two-item state to really be the impactful Darius that everyone is so afraid of. And he just never got there in this game. And, you know, a lot of people have pointed to that EDG decision to not take the tower and instead go for that first dragon because of just how far it set them back. Do you think that it's fair to blame the entire game on that kind of the snowball that was caused by that decision? Or is no. this more of just an overall execution on uh, SKT's part across the map? So I think the problem with that decision was that they were trying to – by making that decision, you're forcing yourself to, to camp for the Darius. Mm-hmm. Like you're kind of forcing Clearlove to stay top lane and protect the Darius or you, you know, went, or let Darius freeze it. And Marin just – like Marin and Bengi – Never let let never let Amazing J freeze the wave for an extended period of time. They were like they were always coming in. They always had that ju- that side of the jungle warded, and they just kept pushing it into tower. And Amazing J is like, well, how am I supposed to freeze it if two people come to push it into my tower? Like, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, I I just think they didn't execute their plan. I think that taking the dragon wasn't necessarily the worst idea. I just don't think they executed what they needed to do, you know, get after getting the dragon, defending, you know, defending the Darius. And I think they just really underestimated what Renekton and and what Faker on Rise were able to accomplish. Well, it's one of those things where I think you can get away with the early dragon if you have a composition that's more based on getting picks and having a lot of roams and just kind of taking those little skirmishes so that you can make up for the experience and the gold that you give away early by making that decision. This was not EDG's plan. You you can't take that four-minute dragon and then just go back to lane because in the early yeah. game, that, that experience and those, you know, every single creep that you give up, it's just, it means so much more early. And when you lose the early game, it's really hard to come back. I, you know, I left this game thinking that, it was a very silly decision given the way that they were. They then chose to play out that composition and the way that that composition was organized. Mm-hmm. But more than that, it was just by losing the early game so hard, this was the worst case scenario game for EDG where Amazing J could just do nothing, where Faker's Rise was able to get every item that he wanted and scale up uh, to a point where he was just dominating uh, in that lane and, and clearing minions so quickly and just... I mean, I mean, he could pick off basically whoever he wanted as soon as he got that rune prison down. And these are the type of things that I think when these teams meet again are less likely to be replicated, at least in that way. I think EDG is going to make some better decisions early. I, I, I think playing the early game that badly and having it snowball that completely is not very typical for EDG. That is not to say that SKT won't have some other plan and won't be able to make adjustments and that they're not still the better team. I think after this game, you have to say that SKT looks like the best team in the world right now just with how efficiently they're playing. But I also think that so much went wrong for EDG that there's a good chance that when these teams meet up again, enough will change that we can see, if not a different result, a very different way of approaching this result. So the one thing – Different thing that I want to – the one counter that I want to this mm-hmm. is we're seeing a, a 
different faker here. And not necessarily in the play style. I think he's having fun. <laughs> it, it actually looks, especially that interview with Shocks, it looks like he's having fun. It looks like he's having fun. He does not have to hard carry this team anymore. I mean, we've kind of learned that throughout the course of the season, but he still was always like hard carrying the team when he had like at any point. And Marin has been the superstar so far. Granted, they played against H2K and uh, you know Titans, but he's been the superstar. And Faker's Faker's been like you know the Scotty Pippen to, Mar- to Marin's Jordan here, like that. Okay, let me put. Let me rewind that. So Marin is Scottie Pippen, but this is like if Scottie Pippen had like a 40-point game and Michael Jordan had like a 35-point game. Yeah. Does that make more sense? I mean that's and, – and you know what? Michael Jordan didn't carry every game, guys. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Was, was Michael Jordan any less Michael Jordan when Pippen had a crazy game? No, of course not. Uh, you know, is Tom Brady any less of a quarterback when – you know, they have some crazy defensive outing and the running game, just, you know, one weird running back. You know, that Gray, who was the, the running back? Oh, Jonas Gray? Yeah, Jonas Gray had that Jonas one Gray. crazy game out of nowhere and then disappeared off the face of the earth because he fumbled the next week. He's playing you know? in Miami. I mean, well, yeah, like I said, disappeared <laughs> off the face of the earth as far as relevant. Sorry, excuse me. Poor, yeah. sorry, poor Miami fans. <laughs> That uh, it, it's okay. Just remember that this is the second quarterback whose career you're going to waste. Anyway, <laughs> that's that was meaner than I meant it to be. I, <laughs> I, I understand your field, Miami fans, but it is just one of those things where I, I look at this team and I look at you know where how they're playing right now, and they've managed to play to all of their strengths without their weaknesses being a problem. You know, we said going into this, oh, Wolf might be a weak point on this team. He might be someone who gets caught out. The vision might not be 100% there. Well, their vision was immaculate this game. I mean, I I can't say that that's going to remain constant going forward, but they had so many wards just dotting the map wherever they wanted to be next. They constantly knew where EDG was, and it really put a limit on how much of an effectiveness Clearlove could have in a matchup where you would think he'd be able to have more of an impact than Bengi, but Bengi had routes where he could go somewhere and... EDG didn't know where that was, and that just wasn't the case uh, for Clear Love. And and getting these deep wards in and, and getting that vision control was so huge, and Bang held his own against Deft. He didn't win, but he held his own. And when you're able to neutralize those weaknesses and play to these strengths as much as SKT has, that's really scary going forward. I don't know what team's going to come along that's going to exploit this team if these weaknesses are as short up as they've been so far i mean what would it take what kind of team composition if you're trying to beat skt right now what do you have to do what's your game plan uh i i you need to go after bangi and 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 wolf i think i think i think you really need to go like try and go after them when they're roaming Mm -hmm. um to do that, you need to have a stellar vision game. I really think KT, from, from what I've seen so far, one, they look absolutely phenomenal and is absolutely opposite of what I think. And I think now they're a fa- you know one of the top four favorites to win this. But the way that, that Pickaboo and Score roam around the map, I think that's what you need is, is you need that kind of synergy between your mid lane and your – you're not your mid lane, your jungle and your bot lane that they're going to go get the vision, that they're going to go and 
actively try and find the enemy jungle, you know, the find Bengi and find uh, Wolf in the jungle and kill them. Um, you have to basically play season two Moscow Five with Gosu and Diamond playing Alistar and Lee Sin and living in the enemy jungle. I think that's how you beat SKT. Yeah. It, it, it's got to start early and often. You've got to do it before they pick up that vision game and Bengi gets the sight stone and everything just kind of goes downhill with the way they've been able to deep ward. It's a, it's a tough ask for anybody. You know what else is a tough ask we've found? Uh, three team parlays. Walter got to finally feel the pain I felt yesterday in winning the first two and then the third saying, eh, this feels like an upset. And both of us at the hands of the LMS. The LMS, man, they screw me over in day one, they screw me over in day two, and now they're after you in day three. I, I mean, I, how do you feel? How are you feeling about the LMS right now in terms of just hammering on our gambling, uh, our gambling expert titles? I, I, I don't think that the, uh, that the LMS victories have been anything that the LMS is like Oh, the LMS is such this strong, you know, this amazing strong region. I think it's the teams they're playing against making really, really obvious mistakes, and the LMS teams being good enough to capitalize on those mistakes. Uh, I, I don't think it says like I, I know like people joked before this like oh the LMS are going to prove that they should you know that North America should be the region that isn't a power region or whatever. Like I haven't seen that. Yes, granted they've won two games over you know two really strong opponents in Ku and Fnatic, but. They've also lost to CLG and Cloud9. Yeah, this is... Uh, I'm sorry, dudes. Like, I, I I, am not an LMS watcher. I, I very rarely watch the LMS unless it's, like, you know, a, a regional final or, or a, a really good game and there's no Korea or China on. They're, like, my third default because Korea, China, and LMS all play at the same time out here. So they're, like, nothing else is on. I guess I'll watch them, but they also don't have a really good English broadcast. So... Um, I'm I'm just not seeing anything that's like changing my opinion of what I thought of them coming into this. I, I, well, I'm going to challenge that when we talk about this later. I was talking more about just how they seem to be harping specifically on doing whatever we gamble on having the opposite happen. Oh, which has just been impeccable. Uh, I mean, they, they seem that's to have it that, that's gambling, dude. Like, yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> we uh, I had Invictus, Fnatic, and Origin in a three-team parlay. I lost two of those three. That's what I get for gambling on my favorite team. It's just it's a bad move. You were smarter. You gambled against uh, against uh, TSM today. <laughs> I I learned my lesson. Let me tell you that <laughs> <laughs> that worked out well. Unfortunately for you, uh, it didn't end up mattering because of that LMS victory. Uh, I also gambled on ADG. Not so great. Gambled on the Bangkok Titans, like I said before. Not so great. But I did win the KT Rolster bet. I believed, and that worked out for me. You, on the other hand, you put 30 on LGD. Uh, China, maybe, is the power region that needs to drop out and give up, and give up a big four spot to the US. Oh, oh I, hope, I hope Frosk does not listen to this podcast. Uh, I would hope that if Frosk or whoever from China Talk is listening to this podcast, <laughs> they've heard enough of my other material where I was hyping up China so huge to know oh that I am God. joking when I say that. But <laughs> Get Rex Scrub China, not a power region. Oh, oh boy. Man. But you got you got SKT and Cloud9. You've, you've kept with that Cloud9 bandwagon, and, uh, and that has done well for you. Now, you are up 176.25 Unicoins now. Yeah, I got, I got more. I've expanded my lead. You have. You, uh, 
you ended the day with less than you ended with yesterday, but that was still a more <laughs> the, the gap has increased. Because <laughs> you I lost more lose. today than I did. Yeah, I, I've not been good at this. It's, it's funny it, when I put when I was doing these bets just for fun in okay. the regular season, just kind of keeping track of how I would have done. I did great, and now that I'm actually doing it, I'm terrible. So. This is why you guys should all be very thankful that I haven't told you about my picks ahead of time. Because if you took my advice, it would go very poorly. But maybe I need to put them out there just so people can gamble in the opposite way. Like I can no, use my power for no, good here. Stop reverse jinxing yourself. I'm, I'm just saying. I, I'm apparently really bad at this. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, it does not look good for my charity, which thankfully the fine folks at Unicorn are putting $100 towards whoever wins this challenge towards the charity of our choice. I picked... Nothing But Nets, which is a charity that helps give out uh, nets to underprivileged families in uh, in Africa that uh, couldn't afford kind of vaccinations. And those nets keep the mosquitoes out. Mosquitoes keep malaria out. And it's wonderful. And you can save a family for just $10, one net. It's pretty incredible how effective those things are. And so that's what I'm hoping to do. Not looking great so far, but we are. It is looking great for your charity, Walter. Yeah, I, I'm very like uh, I'm, I'm my charities to write love on her arms. It's a uh, mental health awareness and uh, treatment, uh, you know, basically bringing bringing awareness in kind of uh, more unusual ways than just like doctors. It has a lot of uh, bands and YouTube stars and celebrities that really promote it. And yeah, I'm feeling pretty good that I'm ahead. Hundred bucks their way. I mean, it's not you know, it's not a lot, but man, it, it helps. Every dollar helps. Every little bit helps. And uh, and we thank Unicorn for giving us that hundred dollars to to give to these great causes and uh, and to let us talk about them on this podcast. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to move on now to the guest alliance portion of everything. I am up three to two, which sounds crazy given that we've only had three days, but we've had two pushes. Uh, I of course have already ridden out the lions after all of my guesses today i have a feeling this is this is prime time for walter to come back into this challenge and uh and tie this up so let's start by breaking down the group d games which we saw today and it starts we, we got to talk about lgd versus kt and this is a game that to me was over as soon as lgd had to first pick elise with lulu still on the board I mean, is is it fair to say that he, he doesn't it didn't really help suck them much? <laughs> they should have just gone But then who would TBQ play? We, we would have the same problem as yesterday, which, by the way, is a really big warning sign for for KT uh, for LGD. I should say. I mean, uh, how is one player sinking <laughs> this? Like they have two of the best players in the world, possibly on this team. How are they this bad? <laughs> He's that bad. <laughs> he has the champion pool. He has none. Zero. But I think KT, I, I think KT really, really mind-gamed LGD mm-hmm. and went, listen, you guys played Lulu yesterday. You played the Juggernaut Cop with Imp, and y'all didn't win. So do you want to try it again? Or do you want maybe a jungler that TBQ can play? Which I'm pretty sure he's proven that he can't play anything besides Lee Sin and Rek'Sai. And I swear to God, if TSM lets him play Lee Sin or Rek'Sai tomorrow, I'm going to I'm <laughs> jump off the Golden Gate Bridge or something. Like they've liter- You have literally been shown how to beat 
LGD. Well, I can't imagine TSM missing a detail like that. They were so good at analyzing Origins uh, composition today and making sure they didn't make any Uh, fatal mistakes there. (laughs) So clearly they're on top of all this. I uh, ever tried to analyze what Soaz and Peke do? That's a good point. I'll, I'll give like, you that. That's uh, I mean, the initial. It's like trying to sit back and wonder what rule Belichick is going to bend during a game. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, there we are. We're we're bringing that. That is a. Uh, that's the, that's that's honestly the first example. Like, like they literally just do whatever the hell they want. They they figure it out, man. But I, I want to talk about LGD KT a little bit more, mostly because. I felt this game was a perfect example of just how good that juggernaut comp is when executed well. I mean, you saw LGD yesterday. Acorn was missing every Malphite ult. Someday landed every Malphite ult. And oh, yeah. was winning lane. I mean, he was incredible. And I think uh, Arrow has proven for the second game in a row, uh, giving that guy Cogma is a bad idea. I understand that he probably has some other champions he could play. But the other thing I, I want to talk about just a little bit more is, is Godvi. You know, this is a guy that was kind of known for this teleport Diana and all these aggressive champions. He's played a ton of different things, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But recently, he's been very good at these hard engage, get in your face, teleport across the map. And instead of doing that in a meta where we've seen a lot of double teleport comps, we saw Varus. What do you think they were trying to do there, and why did it fail as badly as it did? I have no clue. (laughs) I, I... This is not me being lazy. I literally have no clue what LGD is was doing with this composition. Like, I I guess maybe using the Varus alt to chain with elite, like chain elite stun and thresh hook and var. Like, I have no clue because their comp makes no sense to me. Because this this, is, this isn't like the Oriana Vladimir comp. We're watching the game. You were like, oh okay, now this yeah okay oh wobble combo got it. Like this literally was just like. I have no clue who their coach is and what he's deciding to do, but it's really not working. Well, if people will remember, this is not the LGD coach that coached them through the playoffs. That was Chris. He is now out in Firefox, who was their analyst and who supposedly was doing all the work, uh, as LGD would love to tell you, uh, is now in charge. I... I, I can't help but get the sneaking suspicion that maybe Chris knew something about these picks and ban stuff that uh, that Firefox just isn't understanding because I don't – okay, so you have a poke comp with Varus, but Sivir's not really poke. She's teamfight engage, and I guess Hecarim can be, but there's no real front line there because he picked Thresh, so you don't have like an Alistar or a tank and – you know, you don't really have a tanky jungler because Elise isn't doing much for you. Like, none of this works. None of this comes together in any tangible way. Unless, unless the only thing I can see is that they are hoping Acorn was going to decimate someday. Ha ha ha. <laughs> and just split push all game. And they were just running a 4-1 you know, disengage. Like death ball. I guess. But not death ball. Runaway ball. But for the, ball. for the record, and LGD, I'm going to give this to you as free advice. Um, you should not build your game plan around beating the best player in the world handily. In a Whoa. Lane. I mean, Whoa. Not best player in the lane, best top laner in the world. Okay, okay. My bad, my I bad. I, best Whoa. player Whoa. at Whoa. position was what I, I – I stopped 
uh, the at this position part in my head. My apologies. Best <laughs> top laner in the world. Probably shouldn't do that. If he's the best player at his position, maybe you don't count on winning that lane handily. Maybe that, it's, a, it's a crazy theory I have. But that's kind of where I am right so, now. So to be fair, during the, during the SKT game, I'm watching this. I'm going, Man, you know what? Maybe Marin's the best top laner in the world. And then KT played, and I'm like, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Marin's, never really mind. Marin's top three. I, I don't know if I would have said that about Marin heading into this tournament, but he's there now. Um, speaking of teams that are there now, Origin. No one, you know, the Origin, the conversation was, well, LGD is going to win groups, so it's between Origin and KT Rolster. I think we're having very different conversations right now. I, I mean, I, I know this is hard for you as, as a TSM fan because the first 10 minutes didn't look so bad and then it looked really, really, really bad. But can can you talk a bit about just how impressive Origin's whole composition came together in this game and how well they kind of played towards this these mid to late game power spikes? Again, this was a composition that I kind of looked at it and went, what? exactly are you guys trying to do here uh for for origin and i have to give all credit in the world to hermit and i i think i gave him credit when they beat lgd too but like Mm -hmm. again just like their pick ban phase is very interesting and very like intuitive and uh you know he got lulu on the second round yeah like he's just first picking Callista, which it makes me a little worried about can Niels perform on anything outside of Callista? Like, what will he default to after Callista? Will it be Sivir? Will it be Vayne? Will it be, you know, will he try and stay with those short-range carries? Or will he then, you know, move to the, the Siegers like Jinx or Tristana? Um, so that's one thing that little, worries me a little. But I think there are so many other champions that are pick-ban worthy. That's why Arrow keeps getting Kog'Maw. That's why Niels keeps getting Callista. Like, it, it's kind of interesting, especially when they're on blue side. Uh, which tomorrow I think bodes very well for uh, for KT. Um, so I, I think tomorrow Callista will be banned against Niels. It, their composition was very interesting, and it's just that they keep creating these you know zones of control. Whether you know yesterday it was the Oriana ball, today it's a Nivea wall and a Nivea uh, you know ultimate and Lulu throwing out glitter lances and just it was a very smart composition mm-hmm. and amazing just outplayed Santorin which at this point he's outplayed TBQ and Santorin which is basically like beating a dead horse yeah I mean at this point he had a nice pat on the back and a sticker um that I'm sure is coming in the mail any second now but I guess it's kind of funny when you say like oh yeah man the real test is going to be score in the in the jungle tomorrow that wasn't a sense I was preparing to say going into the worlds, but there are a lot of sense I wasn't preparing to say going into worlds. I, I will say the one thing that I think was really smart about this whole uh, pick and ban phase from Origin that a lot of people are underestimating is you know, and I was talking to Adele from uh, from Azubu about this, and he was saying that the smartest thing they did was force Bjergsen onto Victor because Bjergsen couldn't hard carry anymore. You took away yeah. his LeBlanc. You took away his Azir and you took away Twisted Fate. He can't solo carry the game without those three champions. So now he's relying on his team. And guess what? You picked Anivia, one of the best team fighting mid laners in the game. <laughs> I mean, they, his they, team's really bad. Yeah, I mean, it, it really. Uh, again, again, and it's not the per- it's like it's everyone that we thought that was going to be bad. 
his hardest. And it's not like he's like, it's not like he's trying to like 5v1 everyone and is like, no, I'm going to carry this game. Like, he's playing how he's supposed to play. Uh, he had one one bad positioning mistake that he got caught out, but that was because the rest of his team flashed away from him. So it looked really bad. But like, uh, Lustboy, Dyrus, and Santorin all flashed away, and he's by himself as Tristana against four members of Orion. Like, I don't know. He he is he's probably not playing well enough to keep his job, but a lower tier LCS team that might need an eighty carry, a top tier challenger team that needs an eighty carry. He's not you know he's not going to be out of work for very long. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. I think he's done enough to show that he is an LCS caliber eighty carry. Yes. Is, is he a world's caliber to carry? Probably not. And I, at this point, my concern would be that he's been doing this long enough that he's probably, you know, kind of capped out. It, it doesn't get better from here as a general rule if you look at career, the typical career arc. You know, there yeah. are very few players who are like, man, in year four was really when it all came together. It just is not as sense really here in esports. So we'll see. I, I think this is a TSM team, and I was saying this. Uh, going into the tournament, and a couple people thought it was a little bit crazy for saying this, but I think this team looks entirely different next year. I think yeah. Dyrus is gone. I think Bjergsen is gone because I think Bjergsen goes to Europe. I think Santorin is gone because why would you stay in North America to stay on this team? And also, why in the world would you re-sign Santorin? I mean, really. Uh, I think Lustboy retires at this point because... I, I mean, does it look like his heart's in this? Does it look like he's playing the way that we know Lust Boy can play? Because I don't. Yeah. I, 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 I think this could be an entirely new set of guys. And if that happens, I mean, Sky, I, who knows? I, I genuinely have no idea where this TSM team is going. But you can't watch them at Worlds now and say that rebuilding would be a bad thing. So – just just for the folks at home, um, everyone is under contract until 2016. Dyrus and Santorin are under contract through Worlds next year, and Bjergsen, Turtle, and Lustboy are under contract until 2018. That's, so, I mean, it, it would be... It would be buyouts. It would be letting players go. It would be a lot. Of I, I, I guarantee Santorin and uh, Dyrus are gone. One hundred percent. Like I, I would put money on that right now. Both of them are gone. They are not playing competitive League of Legends next year. And they've already been trying to replace Wild Turtles. So I don't think they're. I don't think Wild Turtles <laughs> coming back to this team. I think they're. They've been looking for an option. They went with Keith McBrief and then abandoned that experiment after one week. Which, you know, I had Nasser on the podcast, and he he was one of those guys that says. Well, if, if, if it was bad enough to bring this other guy on, why would you then get rid of him after one week of trying it out? Because he was worse. In one, but in one game. Like, you, you didn't give him any time to improve. or Scrims. I mean. I guess. But it, either way, it does not bode well for Wild Turtle that the team tried to replace him midseason and just couldn't find someone. But he got better over the course of the season. We'll have to agree. I, I think I, the playoffs were the worst that Wild Turtles looked in a while. And I think while he's playing okay now, I don't think he's playing to save his job level. Okay. I, I don't. I, I don't I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not going to argue that point with you. I think it's fair. I, I would not be surprised if there's five brand new members on TSM next split. Well, well I, here's a question: Would you no? be surprised? 
about a TSM victory over this very TSM is struggling not. LGD. TSM isn't winning again. They're done. You're done. You're, you're done. totally out. No, T- TSM is absolutely done. Because for the record, you said that yesterday after we recapped the TSM game and then said TSM had a chance of winning today. So I just – I need to make sure that you're, you're – you've got this – you're it, all it, out. It, it's, it's out of my system. There is okay. no way that T- – Kane has a better chance of winning a game at this point than TSM. Whoa! I don't, I don't know if I agree with that just because I think – LGD has just been such uh, an exploitable mess. But I, I agree with you in that I don't think TSM is the team to exploit them. I think the problem with exploiting this team is that you really need a strong jungler to pick on TBQ and to take advantage of those early game things. And you need to take advantage of Acorn, who's been a little bit weaker nowadays. I, I don't think Santorin or Dyrus are those people. Thank thank God TSM has a, like a top tier CS:GO team because if they didn't, this organization would be dead in a year. Wow, it's uh, it, it is interesting. I mean, CSM has. A I, lot I, of- I hate to be all like I hate to be all gloom and doom, but like I don't. If that CS:GO team falls apart, this organization has nothing. Their League of Legends team is going to fall apart, and I don't think that if if you replace everyone on this roster, you will not be a top six LCS team next split. At all. I do not think that there is talent there is enough talent on the planet that you can bring in that isn't like that makes like obviously oh they could bring in Faker. There is no chance that Hell Faker would come to North America to play for TSM. Like yeah. I'm just looking at it like that. I don't think TSM is a top six LCS team next split. Well, the one thing that would be the saving grace is the would be the infrastructure. And you look at picks and bands to see you how you feel about a coach and about the the, the work that's being oh, the- done right now, and it doesn't look good. Yeah, no, the infrastructure will be replaced too. Lo- if Lust Boy is gone, Lo- Loco leaves. Oh, or if Loco sure. leaves, Lust Boy leaves. But like, I think I- that Reggie is just as big of a. I mean, we've seen how much Reggie has personally stepped in for to prep for this tournament, and I don't think that helped any. It, I, I, yeah. I, it doesn't. It doesn't it, I don't think <laughs> yeah. that's getting better either. I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, Reggie's a very hands-on guy, but he doesn't seem to have it right now at the level that you need to to remain. A top team, and and all of this, of course, for for a lot of TSM fans, uh, you know, you get the the people that are like you that are just all out, and you get the people that feel like, oh, people are being crazy. We got second in North America. Sure, we're not having a great world, but we can fix all of this. And I'm just I'm just very skeptical right now after what we've yeah. seen. I, I don't think Reggie's going to be satisfied with how this has gone, and I don't know how it gets better given what we've seen. Reggie's decision making to be so far at this stage uh, in his uh, in his management career, I suppose. Where do you think the line is on this TSM LGD game? LGD minus two fifty. Okay, I get this one. I, I said minus three hundred. It is minus three seventy. Fair. Yeah. Fair. I, I Absolutely fair. I mean, the TSM it's plus two sixty. I still wouldn't bet it. TS. Okay, so. This is me being devil's advocate. This okay. is not going to happen. But for TSM to win this game, mm-hmm. LGD, LGD continues to keep Godvi off of his type of champions. Yeah. And Bjergsen goes Bjergsen face and goes crazy and gets, gets LeBlanc or something and just crazy carries. And somehow Lust Boy doesn't die five times to Imp in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. Well, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, there's, there's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a game. I pretty much I 
I am very, I'm very tempted to just sleep in. Yeah, I gotta be this honest. Game. This would be the one game where I'm like, you know, I could always watch the YouTube vod later. I could yeah. wake up at nine and feel pretty good about it, and then we'll just watch that and then do the podcast right after. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna have to consider. I, that I'm sorely like. I, I, I actually feel better watching Worlds, and I feel better about wanting to abandon TSM when Dyrus retires mm-hmm. after watching this. Yeah. For, for the reasons I basically just described. Like, Here's the question. Does Dyrus get to play Sandwich to one more time in his pro career? Do you think in Game 6 they're like, you know what, we're 0-5, no. it's over? They don't, you don't think they let him on his last game? No. I don't think... Do you think he no. locks it in anyway? Because what are they going to do? Get rid of him? He's retiring. I would. Anyway? I would love for him to do that. I would honestly love for him to do that, and I think that's more likely than them letting him play Singe. I would. I would really like that. If Di- I think, if Cyrus I think he plays- is listening, which I'm sure he is, because how would he not listen to such a good? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that's that would be my move. Uh, I'd be all in on that. I, I think Jax is more likely than Singe because Jax was his first love. It was Jax then singed, so we'll we'll see. I, I'm hoping for something, but we've got yeah. KT versus Origin that we've got to cool. talk about. This is obviously uh, a very close. We we always knew this game was going to be close. We didn't realize it was going to be close because both of these teams were two and zero. Oh. I mean, when you're looking at the matchup here, what's the one place that you can point to to kind of decide where you think it's going to go? Eighty carries. I think the, the pick bands are going to go and attack Niels, and they're going to attack Arrow. I don't think Kog'Ma and Kalista get played this game. And I think that means a power pick goes through to KT. Like, an extra power pick. Because as much as it probably... It, it, Orion is showing that they are willing to target ban. Mm-hmm. That they're willing... Of course, I think both times they've been red side? Or blue side? Uh, target ban? They're day one. Or, sorry, they didn't no, they've been day red one. side. Their day two was red side. Yeah. yeah, and they and they, they were, were red and they were blue, so yeah. they were willing to target anyway. I got to be honest, if I'm Origin, I target the heck out of Nogne. No one is pushing Nogne's champion pool, and it's not that deep. His Lulu's good, his Azir is good. So would you ban like Az- Azir Lulu? Um, Kogma? I would ban Azir Lulu, and then either Mordekaiser or yeah, I'd ban Azir uh, Lulu Mordekaiser. And oh, just, so you don't ban the Kog'Maw. Or, or Gangplank. No, I, the, problem, the thing about the Gangplank is Arrow's good on it, but he's also good on other champions. It's his best champion, but it's not okay. by such an extent. So you think it's more that the, the, he's only playing it because they're getting Lulu? Well, they played it in game one without Lulu, I believe, if I'm remembering that correctly. I'm going to look that up right now as I'm talking I about I double-checked it, that. I thought TSM gave up Lulu. They might have given up Lulu. That, that sounds like a very TSM thing to do. So I'm not going to pretend like it's not a possibility. Trying to the very least. No, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. That's what I thought. Okay, it was... yeah, it's, so is Azir. So yeah. it, it's one of those things where, like, sure, you, you, you stop the Kog'Maw, but then what, right? Like, if you compared to a Mordekaiser or a Gangplank, which I think would really be the one that they'd be more afraid of. Because I, I think then you, you leave the Mordekaiser up and say, okay, pick Kog'Maw or pick Mordekaiser. Go for it. Whichever, if, if we take you off of... Kogma, so you can play Mord. We have a plan to deal with Mord, and I'm sure that Hermit has come up with a plan to deal with Mord, uh, Mord because he has a plan to deal with pretty much everything right now. I, as much as I say, like eighty carry is going to be big in picks and bans. This really comes down to is Soaz going to be consistent enough to uh, weather the storm that someday has been wreaking oh. on everyone. 
And, and, you know, the way that they've gotten away with Soaz not having to worry about some of those early landing issues is by having th- – letting that first tower go through and just letting the giant wave come to him. Yeah. So that way he doesn't have to fight any of those 1v1s and he gets the resources anyway and he just plays super, super safe in the first, you know, few minutes. <laughs> KT's noticed that. KT's really smart. Yeah. Uh, say what you will about a lot of their, you know, a lot of KT's issues. And I still think Nagne is a potential issue. I'm not particularly impressed by score at this point, though Arrow has surprised me. Okay. But, but their coach is really good. Yeah. They, they understand picks and bans. And even in the SKT-KT series where SKT won 3-0, it wasn't because they were outpicked or out-whatevered. It was just that they had an ideal composition and SKT was that good, which... If you're looking at the way SKT is playing right now, yeah, I kind of understand that. But but KT's got a very good handling right now of what they need to do in all these picks and bands. And really, I think watching these two brains go head-to-head is going to be the most fun part of this. I'm so glad that Hermit got to be coached. I don't take away anything from Leduc. I think Leduc did a fine job during the season, but... Man, it's really fun just watching Hermit do Hermit this, things. Th- this is the one thing that, though, is like... I like Hermit. But is this Hermit? I think this is Hermit. I, I think I think it is. Like I think it is just because their pick and ban have changed so dramatically. Let me put it this way. When Cloud9 tweets about a composition, it's Lemon Nation saying, man, I'm really glad I picked this composition. When Origin tweets about a composition, it's Hermit saying, man, it's exactly the way I told him to play it in scrims and the way that they've been doing it. I'm so proud of fair these enough, guys for enough. executing. Like that, no one in Origin is trying to take credit for it but, uh, but Hermit. And I do think he's just – as someone who's talked to him uh, in the past, I think he's a really good analytical mind on this stuff. And I'm really glad that that's coming through and that it's working as well as it did because you can you can scheme all you want, but it's got to be executed properly. And things like the Anivia have opportunities to go wrong and they just went yeah. very, very right. Where do you think the line is on this game? KT Rolster, minus 185. Okay, you get this one. I said minus 150. I thought it was going to be very close just because of how good Origins looked lately. It's okay. minus 222. Korea, baby. That's that's true. Korea. On the other hand, plus 165 for Origin. That's I, very that's, tempting. That's very tempting. That, that's sorely tempting considering how bad the TSM LGD odds are. I mean – yeah, I, I just I'm just saying it. This game and the next game, uh, I I also feel pretty strongly about. But but let's start with the breakdown of uh, this AHQ Fnatic game because I think you and I feel very differently about how this game ended up, and I, I think it was it was a very big game uh, for a lot of different reasons. I want you to start. You you kind of mentioned before that you thought this was more about Fnatic than it was about anything AHQ did. Could you so, just elaborate why why do you so, feel that way? I was watching this game at, at times two speed on YouTube with the VODs. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that if I put it at like normal speed, it would have slowed down any. <laughs> Fnatic, Fnatic played balls to the wall fast. It was fast. It was loose. They should be turning in their badge and gun to the captain. <laughs> like, it just, it, it was, and, and, and 
granted, that was what AHQ wanted. They wanted not the slow, meticulous, rain over yellow star, you know, you know, picking their brain to death. They wanted this fast pace. Let's run. Let's move. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And and Fnatic played into it. So I will give AHQ credit for that. But I think that says more about Fnatic overlooking AHQ and thinking that they could just, you know, kind of brush past them and, oh, whatever, you know, we already beat IG. Like, this group is ours. And I think this is a very humbling, coming back down to earth loss um, that's going to refocus them and go, okay, like, let, we got our silly loss out of the way. Um, I actually th- thought Cloud9 had a chance to beat them tomorrow. Before this game. Like, before this day, I didn't think Fnatic was going to lose today. I thought Cloud9 was going to lose today. And I thought Cloud9 was going get to the, get the cheeky win off of Fnatic tomorrow. Uh, I don't think that happens now. And I think that now harms, uh, harms Cloud9's chances quite a bit of making it out of groups. Um, I, I, w- I want to say this. First of all, uh, free again, I, we love giving free advice on this podcast to people <laughs> who are listening. There's a reason that Fizz was 100% banned against Westor in basically every LMS game he ever played. It's the one champion that he knows how to play, so just ban it. What was the Rek'Sai ban accomplishing? What did you stop Mountain from doing by banning Rek'Sai? Forced Mountain to first pick Elise so that Huni could get Darius. Yeah, but first picking Darius is shown to be a really bad idea. Well, so here's what I'm going to say on this, because... What today has taught me about uh, about all other things, NAR, NAR is the priority. NAR needs to be banned, and teams need to figure out another counter to Darius. Renekton. I thought we, I thought we established this at the opening of this show. I, what are the odds that any other players actually played much Renekton? Like, maybe next week. Yeah, maybe that's what say. we'll see next week is we'll see NAR start just getting banned, or NAR will be the priority. I would leave Darius up and, for, and you know— for for red side and just be like I'm just gonna take Dar. Yeah. If if I'm blue, like if you're if you're red side, you keep doing this thing where you're trying to bait the enemy team into taking Darius, but then you just don't take Darius yourself. It's one. You just the, leave it up and be willing to like just give them Darius. Or at the very least, wait until the end of the second rotation because that way you have a chance to counter either top or mid. I mean top, yeah, top or mid, and you can choose which one you want to counter and which yeah. one you want to leave open. I mean, if you're going to pick Oriana, right, you're clearly not looking for a counter to anything that's going on there. You're just picking yeah. something safe and reliable. You could have picked that in the first rotation and then waited, you know, forced AHQ to pick their top laner and then picked whatever counter or anything you wanted. And that would have been a lot better. So in those kind of ways, uh, I, I want to I criticize Fnatic for that and also just, like you said, some kind of sloppy team fighting. But the reason that that team fighting was sloppy is because AHQ played a very AHQ game. I said that to uh, Adele as I was watching this game with him about eight minutes in. I'm like, holy crap, this is an AHQ game. Albus is roaming like crazy. And the Tom Kench was huge in this game. Yeah. The way it shifted yeah. those team fights and the way that you know he was able to just gank across the map at all times. I mean, that's how you play a Tom Kench in competitive play. I, I would say more him just like picking. Like saving like the jinx during team fights yeah. and saving the fizz during team fights, like saving these low health people during team fights that you know, Fnatic, yeah, you could play super aggressive as long as you're getting kills, but when that person survives for an extra second and you have to waste another ability on them, that's an ability you can't use on someone else. It, uh, it threw off all of Fnatic's timing in those team fights. Yeah. 
It just, exactly. it, it, it changed the way that they had to play it, and the shockwaves just weren't on point as a result. Yeah. It, you know, and Forbidden had an amazing game. I don't want to take this away from Forbidden. Uh, because he was at one point like 130 CS over Westdorf, who is proving to be exactly the guy we thought he was. Terrible laner, great on roams. Please, for the love of God, don't let him get kills because then things get you know get to a kind of scary I'm, place. I'm, but, I'm so uh, meh. Which is fine. Yeah, he, he played. He played Fizz great, but like. Ban I'm fizz. not ban fizz and and we can finally put an end to because Westor is the weakest player on that team. I'm going to throw that out there now. I think Westor is the weakest guy on AHQ. Just ban the fizz, ban the fizz, and he's not a threat in the late game. I, he's I think it's I think it's a waste of a ban. Really? Yeah, I I think it's wasting a ban banning the fizz. I'm I'm sorry. Like I get he's good fit. I get he's a good fizz player. But, but I've watched him. Side? I've watched. Well, okay. Yeah, maybe ban the Fizz. Like, Rek'Sai isn't what I would have banned. Like, I wouldn't have banned Fizz or Rek'Sai here. That's that's not the, like... So what that's not the trade-off. Uh... Probably would have banned... Well, you were saying before you'd ban the Gnar, so then you could first pick the Darius yeah. and not worry about it. But then AHQ first picks Darius for the same Well, that, that's what I'm saying. You had, like... You, teams need to figure out this week what a second counter pick is to Darius, like immediately. Uh, I honestly almost want to say, like, I'm kind of intrigued that we aren't seeing Lissandra against it. I, I think there are going to be more evolutions for sure going. Because that was that was the transition when everyone was playing like Mundo, Shivana, Renekton top lane. It shifted into Lulu and um, and like Lissandra top laners. So I'm I'd be very interested in seeing if maybe that's where it's gonna if you're gonna go to next week when you start banning the banning the Nar and you try and get the like a, a, a Lissandra against it. That's what I think the the evolution of the ban is. Yeah, but that, that's very fair. I, I I just I will say this: Do I think Fnatic executed their comp as well as they should have? No, hell no. But I think that a lot of that has to do with the pace of the game that AHQ naturally created with their play style. The Tom Kench and the way that it threw off the timing for these team fights, and the fact that Ziv was so strong on that Nar, he perfectly timed every single one of those team fights around his rage bar. I mean, we we haven't seen a more effective Nar, I think, in this whole tournament. I mean, he just he turned a game that very um, easily could have been lost and won it with several very who, who played, very big ults. Who played the first the first Nar with the frozen mallet? Was that Sunday? Some okay. Some is the best top laner in the in the world right now. I I, I don't mean to say that it's. I, I guess I should say it's been the most impactful Nar we've seen. They don't win this game if his ults aren't perfect, and every single one was. If he wasn't perfectly mega Nar at, in all these fights and, and timed everything well and and put himself in a place, he was hitting three or four guys on every single one of these. Yeah. If yeah, he yeah, doesn't yeah. do that, they lose this game hard. It never gets to the point where AHQ yeah. can make that turnaround. And on, by the way, had an amazing game that very few people are going to notice because it didn't come off like he was having such a great game until they finally peeled for him for once. And he said 80 carries. Yeah, he's really good. He's uh, he's a really good player. So I, I guess I, I understand everything you're saying. I just feel like a lot of this was also AHQ playing the way you want to play if you're AHQ. And that's something that I want to see going forward if they can keep building on that. Certainly they'll have a chance tomorrow against 
an Invictus team that I don't know if you saw my tweet on this, but when I watched that Invictus game, I, I've, I've made a decision in my life. It's it's not that I hate kid or kitties. It's that I hate myself <laughs> for being a fan of a team that needs to rely on these players. It's like like the Falcons when we had to root for Doug Johnson for a year because Michael Vick got injured. Like that's how I felt. Like why would why did I do this to myself? Like why do I why if I truly cared about myself and my own mental well-being, wouldn't I pick literally any other team to root for? Because Kitty's just made me sad. I, I mean, Kid and Kitty's man. When you watch Invictus, we'll get to Cloud9 and how awesome they were in a second. But when you watch Invictus, you know, are these problems that can be fixed? Or is it as simple as saying these are bad players being exploited on a big stage? These are bad players being exploited on a big stage. <laughs> At Like, every analyst when talking about IG is like, Kid and Kitties are bad. Kid and Kitties are very inconsistent. inconsistent. They just started playing better towards the end of the split. This is them just being exploited. This is like having I I'm not I'm not gonna go with any more sports metaphors because I don't need to. Um, <laughs> they're just bad. They're just not very good. And guys, I, before anyone calls me out on this, I know I told teams to ban Morgana and you'll win games. All right, <laughs> I I know I know I said that. That's still how you beat Cloud Nine. You still ban Morgana and you force Lemonation to try and beat you with something else. What is kind of um, inexcusable here is that IG banned Morgana and Alistar and then first picked Gragas over Braum. <laughs> oh, what boy. the leap are you doing? <laughs> well, you don't. You're, you're, tar- you're, you're targeting Lemonation. You're, it's blatant that you're targeting him, and then you just give it up at the last second. For Gragas. Which the best part of that was, like, so you take Gragas and then the Elise is still available. So they get what, Elise Braum! <laughs> what were you doing? What was the whole point of any of that? It's like they just said to themselves, well, Vigar's really good for Cloud9, and Morgana's really good for Cloud9, and Alistar's just good in general. Braum's good in general! <laughs> I, I, look, dude, you don't have to tell me that Gragas is, like... The last person that should be first picked in this meta. Like, I, just, I don't done, understand. You could have done anything else. And I just and, – and when you're doing that, okay, fine. You, you've led this through. So why Bard if kitties can't play Bard? And I'm going to go out on a limb. I, I, I tweeted out and people are going to give me crap for this. I actually liked Kitty's Bard the last time I saw it. I thought he had some good plays on it. In this game, he was so terrified to pull the trigger – that he then overcompensated and literally lost his team fights. Like there were there were fights that were going their way. When he canceled the Nar ult from ZZ Tai that pushed was gonna push all of Cloud9 into the Baron and yep. turn that fight around. <laughs> yep. I said, This game is over. I hate this team and I hate myself for caring about this team. I just I don't know how you pick that champion. And play it so poorly. Clearly you had a plan. Clearly you were expecting the Braum. You had to. Everyone's been picking Braum in the first rotation. But Bard Sivir against a Tristana Elise. I mean a Tristana Braum. And then you play it 2v2 straight up. Like you just gave uh, Sneaky that lane. 
And that's the funny thing about all this is no one's going to remember the fact that ZZ Tai destroyed balls, which as Crumbs reminded us is the most sensitive part on all of us. Forgetting, <laughs> forgetting of course. Oh, you didn't hear that, right? Because you I skipped did. the whole thing. I didn't. That was his, uh, his pregame thing. I think he was forgetting that half of the population might not necessarily have that problem, but I understand what he was trying to say. Uh, it's just, I mean, uh, he got destroyed. Balls had a terrible game. It wasn't necessarily his fault. They didn't give Darius any help, and you have to give Darius help, or he's not going to be useful. But for as much as he got destroyed, like, ZZ Ty didn't do much. He, he was... I don't think he was the problem, though. Again, his big turnaround moment, the time where it's like, my power spike is here, I've landed the perfect ult, everything is, no kitties, why? I, I mean, I mean, like, laning, I mean, laning-wise. I, I, yeah, in teamfight, he's, significant... he's Nar, of course he's gonna do, like, way more than a Darius in a teamfight. He had, like, but... a 60 to 70 CS lead for a pretty good portion of that game. I, I don't know. I, I'll have to disagree like, with you. It's there. not like he capitalized on it in lane. It's not like he went off and, like, was, you know, killed him four or five times like we're seeing with a lot of other Nars. Like, mm-hmm. somehow Balls was just didn't die. Well, I think a lot of the problem was that Sneaky kept getting kills, which meant the team kept needing to group up to respond to try to prevent some of these towers from being taken because Tristan is so good at doing that. Yeah. So you never gave him a chance to just sit in lane and take advantage of these things, it, which I, I think that it's one of the things Invictus needs to do right away is go back to the drawing board about how much they value certain objectives because it's clear, like, at some point, you give the tower up to get to, to keep balls down more and get ZZ Tai more and more going, you know, more and more towards that end game state where he's just this unkillable tank monster. And, and you build around that and you focus the rest of your guys around picking off the Tristana and you call it a day. They only killed Tristana once. And you know what would have been really nice? I don't know, maybe a hard engage ultimate, like the one Braum has that you could have first picked. I just... Oh, and by the way, every Gragas barrel was was off, and Cacao is just not looking good. I I am I am extremely embarrassed for even considering Cacao and TBQ at the same level as Clear Love. Well, Please, China talk. Do not slay me. It's okay. You don't watch. You don't have enough time to watch a lot of China. It's it's really it's hard to keep track of all these things. I honestly feel like the only good games I ever watched were good Cacao. Like the only <laughs> games I did watch of these two were good ones. Yeah, well, why else would you watch Invictus except for the games where they do really cool, fun stuff? It's just. I mean, just just like it wasn't me like going and watching Avon and being like, oh, Kakao, like anytime I just randomly popped in, it seemed like Kakao and TBQ were playing well. And now that I'm actually like watching them, watching them, they're playing like utter garbage. It's it's bad. It's really bad. And it's to the point where I'm looking at this Invictus team and I'm saying to myself, I, maybe they don't win a game in this group. They're not they're not making it out of groups. No, they're not. Oh, they're definitely not making it out of groups. I'm wondering if they win a game. Oh, they will. I don't, I'm not. I'm not convinced on that. Oh, they win tomorrow. Oh, okay. So we're going to get into this now. Okay, it's, so it's it's the LMS letdown day. <sighs> You're all in on LMS alternating days, huh? Yeah. So explain to me why do you feel that way? Why do you think that this is a matchup that goes Invictus's way after what we've seen so Because far? we're going to get a Cacao FU game. He's not he's not going to play these like shitty tanks. He's going to go and he's going to get a lease or he's going to get lease in. They have to. At this point, they absolutely have to. See, you say that. Like, and, I, and I get why you say that. I don't know if Kakao has it in him anymore. I don't know if he has it in him to have that crazy I mean, th- this will prove it. 
I, I think they really need they they need to win this game. Oh yeah, against AHQ to even like cons- like have a chance because I think on the backside they can get Cloud Nine. But if they lose this game, yeah, I think they just give up. It's uh, I think it makes it that much easier for Cloud Nine to get out of groups. And that's the thing about AHQ in this matchup. On, on the one hand, I I like Invictus. Because I love what Rookie did. And I thought Rookie had a great game in a losing effort. I thought his Echo was, was very good. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm liking the Echo mids. He, he is the best Echo in China by okay. a pretty significant margin. Okay. And, and it showed in that game. I, I think he's, he's very, very strong on it. I think he can bully Westor in that kind of way. And that's something that I think Rookie will feel very comfortable in that matchup. Especially if you ban the Fizz. Because Westor's number two option is a huge drop-off. Yeah, but on the other hand, I think that On and Albus are so much better than Kid and Kitties. Yeah, I mean, I, I think On is can one v two both of those guys and significantly win and still let Albus go roam around and and help out Ziv in the top lane, who I thought Ziv had a very good game. Uh, he had a couple rough plays early, which I think he needs to shore out. But by the time he got to the late game, I mean, he was everything you could ask for from him. And Man Mountain looks a lot better when he doesn't play Rengar. Like, what a difference! <laughs> what a difference not playing a champion you've never played. And uh, I think they were saying like the last time he played it was like the second week of spring. Like it's been forever since he's brought up the Nar in any competitive capacity. Mm-hmm. And he, he I, I don't know why he did it. I'll never understand why he did it. But he's not doing it now. So I, I like AHQ as an upset pick. I think whether you would take them uh, on Unicorn would be depending on the odds. Where do you think these odds are, Walter? Oh, man. This is like the last one where I was within 100. So, Okay. So <laughs> I think IG is still favorites, but they don't deserve it. They are favorite. You are correct. Okay. So I'm going to say IG minus 175. Okay, you and I tie this one because I said okay. minus 175 as well. Okay. And it is minus 196. That I <laughs> – See, that's my point. Like... Thanks for the free money, Unicorn. I, I appreciate yeah, it. That's, that's plus 150 for, for AHQ. I think those are good odds. I think AHQ wins this game more than, you know, three out of ten times or four out of ten times. Oh, easily, easily. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, especially the way Invictus is playing now. Easily. That's uh, that's great. I, I'm. It's, here's the thing. This is the second upset that I'm kind of looking at the odds and saying it might be nice. So I don't know how I'm gonna parlay any of this stuff. I guess it depends on how you feel about the line for this game, the Cloud Nine versus Fnatic. Now you said before you thought that Cloud Nine winning today and Fnatic losing today meant that Fnatic was just gonna come out. In a blaze of glory today, uh, or tomorrow, I should say. Yeah. What is the best strategy if you're fanatic? How do you get back to that day one hype? Your this the strength that you showed against LGD and take Cloud9 out. Pardon my pun, but you kick them in the gonads. <laughs> Fair enough. Balls, prepare for the camping of your life. They are going to pick something for Huni to hard carry on. And 
Rainover is going to set up shop in top uh, wherever uh, poor balls is, mm-hmm. and it is going to be awful. It is probably going to give you flashbacks to season three worlds. SK or E? No, not SKT. Um, what was the Chinese team that was in that group? OMG, I think. Yeah, OMG. OMG camping Dyrus and killing him five times in the first ten minutes. I mean, that seems like a good play, but Rainover is not usually that guy. No, no. But this you is, have to be today. You, you yeah, think. The, the, they don't need that. He, he doesn't need to be in bot lane. He doesn't need to be in mid lane. The weak link is very obvious in that it's the high, that it's high in balls. Is mm-hmm. the weak link of Cloud9. Set up shop top lane and go to town, baby. Yeah. I mean, with Cloud9, I don't want to take away anything from the fact that they're 2-0. This is a team that I didn't think was going to win a game. So the fact that they've now won two, I think, says a lot about how much they've grown, how they've been able to benefit in scrims. And just, damn, High is so good. Like, he's so good, though. Like, it's, it's, it is oh. amazing. Like, we thought that his shot calling was, was good. Like, we thought this was an important part of this team. But apparently, him just being a presence and making these calls and organizing everything and telling people how to abuse these spikes and when to go for what objectives, I mean, this is, this is a whole other team than what we saw in NA. I, I have to say, the thing that I think is giving people trouble, and I don't remember who it was on the desk, mm-hmm. I want to say it was Deficio, but I'm not positive, said that – no, I think it was Jet. now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. Who was – Who's the caster? Yeah, I think it was probably Jet. Was saying something about because High isn't a natural jungler, mm-hmm. he does things that other junglers don't do and other junglers don't expect. Right. And I think he has this funky style because he's not a jung like he was a jungler way way back in the day, but he went from mid into he went from jungle to mid to jungle again. He does have these this like very different priority in terms of his play style. And I think that's catching some of these teams off guard. That they like expect him to have a gank there, and their jungler is sitting there waiting for a counter gank, and High doesn't show up for you know a minute and a half, and he gets two camps out of the enemy jungle. Or they're like, okay, well he should be farming his top lane, you know, his top side jungle, and put pressure on the Darius because he's low and could get tower died very easily. And all of a sudden he's taking dragon. Like it's just very funky, and I think it's catching some. Some teams off guard, like especially AHQ. I think it caught them off guard. Well, AHQ got screwed over because they went in on an all-in comp. I mean, the only, they had no wave clear. The only way they won was, was were going to win that game was to win their lanes hard across the board. Right. And when you take a high risk composition, sometimes the risk doesn't pay off, and that's I think what happened there more than necessarily guessing where high was wrong but i will say that in a group stage when you have to play each of you know three different teams you know how much time can you spend practicing against someone trying to mimic the way high plays how do you even find a scrim partner that mimics the way high plays it's like orion yeah i mean yeah i mean (laughs) even if and even taking away you know, the, just the weird path thing. Even if you could somehow, like, mark it down with some advanced statistical thing or you could just have, like, a mirror that you could watch and kind of see how he moves, you can't replicate the way that he just, as, as a field marshal, just organizes that game and gets everybody across the board all on the same page, all doing these really important things for the team. 
it sounds like a cliche, but you can't teach that. You yeah. Can't, you can't just get a new guy in and replace that. And that's why Cloud9 struggled so much when he left. Because I don't know anyone in Western League other than maybe Yellowstar with that understanding of the game. Probably not. And that's, and that's where we're at now. And, and shout out to them for that. But, and here's the but, AHQ, again, this was an AHQ team that went all in on one composition. It had to go perfectly and it didn't. That's not something that's very likely to happen again. I think AHQ is going to play smarter going forward and than that kind of composition. I think that the Invictus game was just as much an example of just how bad Kid and Kitties are. Well, you're not getting that against Fnatic. This is Niels and this is Yellowstar. And sure, Yellowstar had a not-so-great game, but Yellowstar's still a strategic mastermind, if you will. I don't think that he's going to have that many bad games in this tournament. I think that it's going to be harder for Sneaky than it has been the last two games to get to that hard carry stance. And if he's not hyper carrying, Cloud9's victory get uh, victory conditions get a lot more confusing. Yeah, I would agree. It, but I, I think it's I think it's also incarnation. I think Sneaky and Incarnation have just been playing so well together. Mm-hmm. And they've been playing off each other so well. Um, I don't think Incarnation gets a Zier. No. I think that's I think that's been kind of the 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 turning point here has been the zone control that he gets from Vigar and Azir. It'll be interesting to see how you ban this because if the if the Vigar gets through, yeah, I mean, I which which one do you let through? It's it's tough. Where do you think the line is on this game? This is about to be something really really dumb, isn't it? It's incredibly dumb. Uh, I would have Fnatic at minus two twenty five. Okay, you get this one. Okay. I said Fnatic minus 150. I'm like, oh, well, they're coming off of a rough loss. Cloud9 wait, wait, wait. off of a big win. Okay, okay. 500. High or low? It's lower than 500. It's minus 370. Okay. okay. Which is still ridiculous. That's plus 260 for Cloud9. I mean... That's plus 260 what? for Cloud9. Cloud9's 2-0. It, it might be worth, like, 10. I don't know. That's oh, I, interesting. I'm absolutely putting a 10 on that. I, I mean, I, I, it's hard. You, you have to at this point. I mean, yeah, but still. I, look, I just, I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, well, what is it that we saw in Fnatic today that makes me so convinced? Because minus 370, that means saying like, well, yeah, every, you know, three out of four times you're probably coming away with a victory here. Did Fnatic look that strong? I, I don't know. I think it's more than Invictus has looked that bad. And Fnatic, again, you know, I give a lot of props to AHQ. I thought they played a very good game today. I think they deserve the credit for the victory. But Fnatic did not play well in those conditions. Huni had a terrible game. Yeah. And if Huni's supposed to just destroy balls, like, Today wasn't a great example of Huni destroying an enemy top laner. Then I'm just going to look back two days ago. No, I, three days ago. Which is, and, and this is the beauty of variance, right? And I think if Worlds has taught us anything, you know, it, it's this very funny phenomena where during the regular season, people talk all the time like, oh, it's just one game. It's not a big deal. This happens all the time. You know, we don't want to read too much into it. But when it's at Worlds, it's what? Cloud9 2-0? West is best. Euphoria for all the European wins after one day. You know, we're going to go crazy on all this stuff. And I'm just like, 
okay, we're we're here right now when teams have played maybe two games. The, the crazy thing to me is that there's going to be three, probably four, East uh, Western teams in the semifinals or in the in the quarterfinals. See, you say that, but we're not even at the halfway point yet. I think like, so many things can go wrong. I, I the, agree with you that it's very. The likely, problem is but... the Chinese team, like the Chinese and LMS teams, are playing just so poorly outside of EDG. Like I, I do I think that they get everything fixed in a week? And some people would say, yeah, it's a week to fix their mistakes. It's a week for all the Western teams to fix their mistakes and and you know adapt and say, okay, well, you know, especially like in in this group. With, with Fnatic and Cloud9 against IG and HQ. Yeah, I, IG and HQ, maybe it's a bad week. They come back next week just as strong. Cloud9, maybe they go, okay, we just need to ban the Fizz, and that's how we beat HQ. Maybe that's what it is. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but I feel like this is... We're going to have one, maybe two teams in the semifinals from the West. I think it is. I think we will have one semifinal team in the West at the very least. I agree a, with you on a, that. A second team would not surprise me, depending on on the draws. Oh yeah, no, the draws are going to decide a lot of that. I look. I, I don't mean to take away anything from the West. They've very, they've been very surprising. I've been very impressed by how this has gone down. But given where we thought a lot of these teams' power levels is, what, what's more likely that Cloud Nine continues to perform at this rate after teams have had a whole week to adjust to this new evaluation of where they are? Or that Cloud9 is going to continue to perform at this incredible rate, given what we saw in a, in a seventh place finish and, and scraping by teams like Gravity and Impulse. Cloud9, I, I that's, that's I, not to say I'll, I'll, I I'll say it after tomorrow. Later. I'll say it after tomorrow. I think OG and Cloud9 make it out of groups. I think it's very possible. I, I think I, I think Origin can make it out. I think. CLG has a chance to make it, has a good chance to make it out. I think I'm already assuming CLG and, and Fnatic are making it out. <laughs> I mean, these are these are interesting. I mean, Fnatic might not make it out. If they lose tomorrow to Cloud9 and Flash Wolves can beat, uh, I mean, sorry, AHQ can beat Invictus, Fnatic's one and two. They're having to crawl their way back up. F- there's, Fnatic's, there's, Fnatic's there are so not. many things that can come up between now and then. I, I just, I, I, I guess what I, I'm trying <laughs> to say is. Three days ago, we were so convinced that none of this stuff was going to happen. So why is it that after two games, we're so convinced that all of this is going to play out exactly? So you watch March Madness, right? I, I do. I love. This March is what Madness. happens when you know Northern Iowa takes out a number two seed in the first round. You look at your bracket and you go, anything's possible now. So honestly, we're going to have four thirteens in the final four. I'm looking at this. It's it's in it's in play. Anything is in play at this point. I. It's been the most fun thing to do the Unicorn Challenge for this Worlds. Like, if we had done the Unicorn Challenge last year at Worlds, it would have been very predictable. I don't think we would have gotten great odds on a lot of these things because it was so easy to tell who was going to win. Yeah. And even the – like, the upsets were just so few and far between, and they would have come on things like the Kaboom game. Yeah. There's no way either of us would have bet on because Elias just came off of a perfect game. So, I mean, this this Worlds – Anything is possible. I genuinely believe that with the exception of the Bangkok Titans winning a game, anything is possible at this point. And even then, H2K might be that bad next week if they keep sandbagging it. It's possible. Um, we got we to gotta move on because otherwise this is going to be a two-hour podcast, which as much as I'm sure you love oh boy. hearing all of this. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're getting along. Uh, Koo versus CLG. 
This is CLG's chance to go 3-0 in this group. This is also the Koo Tigers' last chance to make the case that they are a quarterfinal quality team or else they fall behind pretty badly in this group. What are the things you're looking for in this matchup to kind of decide in what direction this goes? How do you beat Rush Hour? CLG is just making it very clear to everyone right now. We're riding double lift. Mm -hmm. We're going to just build our compositions around double lift and come at us. And they're building compositions that are forcing teams to engage into them, to engage into a Darius, to engage into a Nar, or to engage into an Olaf or whatever Zion's going to play in the top lane. Um, That's what they're telling everyone. That's what they're showing everyone. This might be the game that CLG says, all right, now we're going to play Zion Spartan carry. Now we're going to play Zion Spartan gets Fiora. Now we're going to, you know, that, I I think this might be the game. And if they do that, I think they can catch Koo off guard. Because I think everyone is just expecting them to build around double lift. Well, and the thing is, when you watch the North American playoffs, this was a CLG team. The thing we came away with was, they're a really good disengage team. They're really yep. good at moving away from fights and constantly, you know, I, I think they're going to continue to play that way until somebody stops them. Yeah. The Koo Tigers, on the other hand, I think they're also a, a, an interesting kind of disengaged team. I, they, I don't think they're the kind of ganking, exploitable, you know, the way the Flash Wolves are. The Flash Wolves are so dependent on people like Karza getting in there and Sword Art doing these roams and everything else. Koo Tigers don't have that problem. Sure, Hojin likes to gank every once in a while, but he doesn't usually gank bot. You know, Gorilla is a very good disengaged support. This is one of those games where I think that CLG needs to play this one very carefully. And and it's going to come down to execution and understanding your win condition. Mm -hmm. Because if CLG kind of gets goaded into picking a fight before they need to, that's exactly where the Koo Tigers want. That's where the Koo Tigers feel most comfortable. That's the kind of game style they want to play. And it's, it's funny because both teams kind of want to play that way. I have a feeling that whoever tries to force the first big team fight loses this game. Whoever goes in for that initiation and that first engage is the one that's going to blow that fight and then blow the whole thing because the other team's just too good at getting out of those situations. Fair enough. And I am very interested to see if... You know, which team has more discipline to make sure that they don't pull the trigger before you need to? It's, uh, it's that classic uh, game of chicken, right? Uh-huh. And, and whoever bails out is going to be the one we, that, that loses this. And I can't wait to see how this goes. I think CLG, you know, under Zix, you know, now that they've really started to trust each other, I think they're in a lot better position to win that kind of game than I ever would have thought they were. But I think this is much more of a test of that than any of the games they've played so far. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I'd 100% agree. Um, yeah, I, I think Koo and CLG are very similar teams in terms of their play styles, in terms of wanting to kite back and not be the ones that initiate fights, and then using their, their superior, quote-unquote, team-fighting capabilities to, uh, to you know, clean up, clean up afterwards. Yeah. And the difference is that I think Double Lift's a lot better than Prey, but I think Hojin's significantly better than X-Mithy, which, by the way, CLG, if you haven't remembered from, uh, from yesterday, we're going to remind you again. Don't let Hojin play Lee Sin. Just don't do it. 
There's no need to let him do it. He used to be named after the guy. Just don't do it to yourself. Where do you think the line is on this game? Q minus 180. Okay, you get this one. And that's going to be the week for you, or the day for you, I should say. So congratulations. We're all tied up. We finished finished stage one tied two to two. Three to three because we pushed twice. Oh, three to three. That's right. That's right. But it's fine. You know what? As it should be, uh, I I was completely off on these last few games. Um, It is coup minus 263. Oh. That's insane. Oh. That's plus one ninety five for CLG. Oh, oh god! I'm getting, I'm getting like the DTS right now. Like <laughs> I can't, I can't go bet on that game quickly enough. That's, I, I mean, that's one of those where I don't want to bet on CLG because whenever you're trusting CLG, this is, this is the team that has specialized in letting fans go as soon as they have faith. Hey, hey, whatever. You know what? It's, it's like, worked so far. Yeah, they, there's no reason they should be plus one ninety five underdogs. No, I think that's, absolutely that, not. That is way too high. Uh, that's embarrassing. It's, it's way too high of a line. I uh, uh, hey, I'll take the money, unicorn. I'll take it. Yeah, what? You know, we keep saying that, but then we go and make these bets based off of this, and then we lose horribly. My favorite, but, by the way. Go ahead. Like, I, I, I would much rather lose that bet. I'd much rather lose the coins that I'm making on that bet than not make that bet. For, that's and that's entirely fair. By the way, I forgot to mention in the intro the funniest part of these unicorn bets from yesterday was when we talked about the KT Rolster LGD game, I asked you which uh, team you thought was going to be, which is in a better place right now, and you said KT. Yep. And I argued that it was LGD. And I bet on KT and you bet on LGD. Yep. (laughs) Which apparently neither of us listen to our own advice as soon as gambling lines get in the middle of everything. Because you just overthink it. You overthink it as soon as the numbers are in front of you. Uh, Last game is Pain Pain versus the Flash Wolves. I was about to say the Pain Wolves, which would be a really interesting uh, team. So, so this is the game that if Pain wins a game and wants to start their potential little run, it's this one. Wow, you're so out on the LMS. Uh, no, 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 no. Pain doesn't win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, but if if Pain is going to win a game and like start to scare people, it's this one right here. That's probably fair. I mean, Flash Wolves coming off the high of beating Koo yesterday, uh, the other day. I pain is just really getting people off guard in that like that first five minutes. So if there's going to be a game that they win and they and if they win one game, it's this one. And if they win one game, it means that they could win two or maybe three. We're overdue on a not so great stake game. Like stake yeah. is stake right now is coming off like oh the most underrated player go, you know in, in worlds and it's like yeah well maybe. Or, or maybe Mylon. I mean, yeah, Mylon. Maybe Mylon's someone that can put some pressure on that, and in a different kind of way. Like Stake's done really well because he's been aware that everyone's been trying to gank him, and he's yeah. been really good at escaping those ganks. Maybe you just let that one v one lane play out and just accumulate little advantages. Maybe that's the better way to play against them. I think Pain yeah. will at least try that. I think uh, you know if you're going to look at a bot lane matchup, BRTT is obviously someone that has been well-known in, in Brazil for forever, I think you have a better chance against NL than you do against Af- uh, Doublelift and Aframu or yeah. against Prey and Corilla. I'd agree. Uh, I don't think it happens, mind you. No. I think that the Flash Wolves are still the better team by a, I mean, uh, by a pretty significant margin. But, you know, it's, it's in play. And 
it's an interesting kind of thing to see how pain reacts. And really, I'm more interested to see in how, how pain does next week. Because up until this point, their scrim partners were EU challenger teams and maybe rock out if they were super lucky. Now, all these teams are, are going to have three days, some of them more so, to just scrim to their heart's content. Payne's going to get some real scrim partners. That's, mm. It's going to be interesting. I, at least some I better think the scrim, scrim partners are going to be TSM, HTK, and Bangkok Titans. And, and Rocket, don't don't leave out Rocket, the ultimate. Rocket should be on vacation. They're they're not on. They're they're. Uh, I I know for a fact that they're scrimming really hard, and there are a lot of people uh, in, that I've heard that are European analysts who keep lamenting the fact that we have to watch H two K instead of Rocket, uh, who's been playing well enough that they think hey, you that know they what? Might have if, game if, off of if you deserve to, to get to Worlds, you would have gotten to Worlds. At the end of the day, that's what I'm – because I've seen some salty liquid fans and, and TIP fans saying, oh, man, if we were there instead of TSM, hey, if you deserve to be here, you'd be here. Look, man, uh, we didn't put it together until it was too late, and then the only way to get there was through Origin. That's on us. I agree with hey, you on that. I, 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 and, and this isn't me trying to be like, a haha, my teammates to Worlds, like, and being – I'm being serious. Like, that's how it is in real sports. That's how you're going to get treated if you're – I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, and I lament the fact that – you know, oh, the music, pardon me, beat. The, <laughs> you did it the twice music, now. You did it the twice music in City 10 miracle. seconds, Walter. I'm so sorry. The, the, music <laughs> city, the Music City Miracle, and I lament that. Like, oh, we had a chance. We had a chance. We had a chance. Hey, if you deserve to be in the Super Bowl, you get to the Super Bowl. You deserve to be in the World Championship of the League of Legends, you'll get to the World Championship of League of Legends. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. I'm so sorry. First I didn't of all, just... first of all, we were doing so well. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> we've done the three. We've got two podcasts in a row, an hour and thirty here. We were doing so well. I'm so but, sorry. But better than that is just the idea that like there's no such thing as variance. No, never. No, it's just you win the one game, especially in football, man. You of all people should know that in football, it, there are so many weird things that happen. It just it, it is what it is. Uh, it's part of sports. You have to accept that that variance is there and. Part of esports means accepting the fact that Rocket didn't put it together until the regionals, and yeah. by that point, only one team was getting through, and Origin's going to get through. Uh, had we put it together earlier, I still don't think we would have gotten enough points uh, to kick out H2K, even if we had done better in that playoffs. But I didn't. Sorry, you know it sucks. It, it's unfortunate, but the teams that got there deserve to be there. I think that's the way I put it. The teams that got there absolutely earned their spot. And there's no reason to take it away from them. Uh, TSM, for the record, deserved their spot as well. Uh, but all of this said, this tangent now done that has led to me having to do some actual editing this time around. Where do you think the line is on this game? Flash Wolves minus 250. Okay, you get this one. Ooh. I told you. I, I thought minus 350 Ooh. because I thought... Oh, well, you know, the last couple lines, you know, the the last one was 324 and that was too, you know, clearly too low since CLG won so early. It's 213. Mm. It's minus 213. That's insanely low. Mm. That's a gimme right there. Yeah. Like I I look at that and I say to myself, why do I not parlay that with maybe KT Rolster versus Origin? Or LGD, actually, parlay that with LGD versus TSM. 
Those are <laughs> those are two gimmies. Why would you not do that? Wow, you're a jerk. Oh, come on. First of all, you just made this whole rant about why I shouldn't complain about Rocket not being at Worlds. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it because of you. I'm saying it in general from what I've seen. I, I know, yeah. I know. We we uh, we love hearing the feedback from you guys. We've got a lot of great feedback and a lot of things that provoke conversations like this. So if you like us going on these kinds of tangents, you should totally talk to us on Twitter. I'm at RedShirtKing. And Walter, where can they find you? Uh, C80s underscore LOL. Yeah, and this has been – I guess this will be our last podcast of the week because we do previews the day before games. There's really – I mean we could come back tomorrow and just talk about the games that were played. But there wouldn't be any lines to predict. So it wouldn't really be a guess the lines kind of podcast. So I, I, I think it will be just be better if we hold off. We'll take these games obviously into account and we will talk about them as we talk about each individual group next week. Obviously, the fun part about next week is every group gets its own day. And we're just going to see each of these teams just back to back to back, which is a very different kind of mental test. How do you get yourself psyched up knowing that you have to play two games in a row against two very different teams and making that mental transition and all that stuff? It gets really fun really quickly. And it's already, I mean, I, I don't want to say it yet because, you know, there's a lot of mystique around it and... You know, a lot of people feel very passionate about it, but I think this is my favorite Worlds, at least the group stage that we've ever had. Oh, this is yeah. so much. Yeah, fun. I, I would agree. I would have to agree with you there. A- anything is is possible right now, and I can't remember the last time I felt that way. Just looking at the world landscape, yeah. and you know, we'll have to see the bracket stage before we say best all time. So, all of you who cling tightly to those season two memories, I'm not taking those away from you yet. It's, mm-hmm. There's still more to be seen. But man, this is fun. And it's been fun podcasting with you, Walter. And until next week, remember, I guess it'll be the games start on Thursday. So Wednesday, 5 p.m., PST, Unicorn. We will be there and we will be on time from now on now that I've fixed that Skype issue for good. So until then, goodbye, Internet.